from Argentina. Okay, so you're in Ephesians 6, 18 to 20. We're going to be there in just a moment. I want to start by introducing our family. For those who may not remember us or if you're new to the church since we've been here last, my name is Mark Self. I was born in Argentina. Uh, my parents are missionaries there. They've been there since 1980. So I was born and raised in Argentina. My wife, Anaí, was also born and raised in Argentina, born to Argentine parents. And her parents are also in the ministry, and I'll share about them um, as the presentation goes on. Then our daughter, Sophia, who just turned 10 a few weeks ago, and our little daughter, Emma, who is now one and a half. And so just to give you an update about our, our kids, Sophia goes to school there in Argentina. Our school year is different from the United States. It goes from March to December. And so we are in the middle of school right now because our seasons are opposite in Argentina. And so there she is in school. This is this year. On the right, you see her picture of the first day of fifth grade in March. And as you think of school in Argentina, please be in prayer for us there. Last year, school was um, in the building for two weeks. And then after that, COVID hit in March. And they shut everything down. And children never returned to school all year. And this year, they went to school for six weeks. And then they shut things down again, and now school is on Zoom once again. And so pray for Argentina as you think of this, because many kids who are at home, many of them who probably don't have internet, have dropped out of school. And a lot of those kids are never going to return to school. And so as you think of Argentina and the schooling and, and everything that's going on, please pray for the kids. For us, on the other hand, it works pretty well as we are traveling in the United States. Sophia can keep up on Zoom. She's not too excited about it, but it works well for her parents. And so we continue to do school even as we are gone in the United States. Sophia loves to ride horses. If you want to approach her and you don't know what to talk to her about, say the word horses, and then you are good to go. We take her to a place every week where she can ride and enjoy that there in Argentina. And then at church, she's very involved. She helps us when we have our construction days there, helps us with some of the work that we do at the church. She's also played the piano several times at church, and so we're just thankful to see how, even at a young age, 10 years old, she's already able to be ministering for the Lord and be doing different things in the church while also enjoying growing up there in Argentina. Then there's Emma. Emma has one job, and it is to be cute, and so I picked the cutest picture we have, and she's doing a pretty good job right there. You'll also see her there out in the foyer, she just started walking a few months ago and trying to keep up there with all the big kids in Argentina as they run around before and after the service. So that's a little bit about our family. As we talk about the ministry, we are in Argentina, the furthest country down south in South America, and we are actually in the city of Buenos Aires. And I'll point here to my right. Um, we are in this area right here in northern Buenos Aires, right outside of downtown Buenos Aires. And the city is a huge city. There are about 15 million people, and we are in one of the suburbs of uh, Buenos Aires. If we were to blow up the map of that section I just pointed to, I want to share with you very quickly an update of what the ministry is that we are a part of in Argentina. Now, there are many ministries in Argentina, but this is the one that we are working with specifically. So my parents arrived in Argentina in 1980, and they started the church of Don Torcuato in 1983. It was 18 years later in 2001 that they started the first daughter church of San Fernando, about 30 minutes northeast of Don Torcuato. Then in 2015, another Argentine pastor, actually my in-laws, Ezequiel and Elizabeth Esposito, started the church of San Miguel, about 25 minutes southwest of Don Torcuato. 
In 2007, we had another Argentine pastor start a church in the area of Villa de Macho, about 15 minutes west of Don Torcuato. And then in 2014, my brother, who's also a missionary in Argentina, he and his wife, Andrew and Romina, self, started a church in the area of Florida, which is getting near to downtown Buenos Aires, about 30 minutes east of Don Torcuato. And then the Lord has allowed us to start a church, sorry, in El Talar in 2017. And we actually started this right after we were here the last time sharing our ministry of Argentina. Now, I would love to share with you everything that's going on in all the churches, but I also want you to be here when I'm done. And so I am going to go ahead and just talk to you this morning about El Talar and what the Lord has been doing in the area that the Lord has placed us there in Argentina. El Talar has about 43,000 people in the community. Um, just a few blocks from us is the plaza. The plaza is where people usually hang out in the afternoon in Argentina, and they play games, and they take their children to the park, and there's also major events that happen right there, so that's all very close to our church. Our church is actually on this main road. Our church is right here on the corner, and if I flip to the next picture taken from the other side, our church is right here, and here's a bridge that goes into the next community, which is called General Pacheco. I actually was born and grew up in General Pacheco, just five blocks from where we have started the church. And so on this road, there are thousands and thousands of people that go by every day. And most of the people who have come to our church, it is because they have seen the sign and they are looking for a church that preaches sound doctrine. So I want to give you a quick update on the building and the building project and what we have been doing there over the last few years. And some of these pictures you may have seen, but the, the, the latter ones you have not. And so when we went to Argentina, we purchased two pieces of property right next to each other, one actually behind the other. At the corner, we purchased this house, which was abandoned, and we then fixed up. And so you can see a picture here from the side and what that looked like when we actually bought the piece of property and what that looks like now as we've fixed up the entire house. Inside, the picture doesn't do it justice. It was actually way worse than it looks there in the picture. And we were able to take everything apart, really, and then redo it. And when we actually finished that, we started to meet on Thursday evenings for Bible study. Now, if you remember us coming last time, this is what we were doing at that time. We were meeting every Thursday evening for our midweek Bible study. Now we use this space for children's ministries, seminary classes, uh, discipleship, anything that's in a small group setting is what we use the house at the corner there of the properties we own. So if you look at the picture here, we have our main road out here, the house, and then we own all the way back to where the picture ends on the left. So then we knocked down all the trees, we laid the foundations, we began to build. In Argentina, you build up and not out because property is so expensive. And so we built the first story, the Lord provided more finances. We built the second story, the Lord provided more finances. We built the third story, and eventually the Lord allowed us to actually finish the building. On the outside, on the inside, we were able to finish the entire project. This next picture is taken from this roof right here. And you can see what that looked like from the side as we were beginning to lay the foundations for the building. And then a year or two later, when we began to pour the slabs for the different stories of the building, and then as we had construction teams come down and work on that, and then what that looks like right now. So there you can kind of get a glimpse of how that building looks at this time. 
If you go inside, you have there the foyer area and then the auditorium. Our auditorium can sit around 300 to maybe 350 if we cram in there. And so this is what that looks like and where we are meeting. I would say every Sunday, but you'll hear more about it in a little bit with COVID. Almost every Sunday we get to meet inside there in the building. If you were to go to the second story, this is where we have a fellowship uh, area. And so some of the events that I'll show you later on, we do here on this second story. And just off of this fellowship hall or area, we have our kitchen. And this is what that looks like now. So the Lord has blessed us with a very beautiful facility where we can have major events as the years go on there in El Talar. Then when you go up to the third story and finally catch your breath, you can find the gymnasium. And so that's what it looked like when we were still building it, and this is what it looks like now. We have painted all the lines for soccer. Soccer is the main sport in Argentina, and so we use this and have used this many times for evangelism, which I'll also share at the end of the presentation. If you go out those, those sliding doors there, we have a patio area that overlooks the entire city, and so there we also have a grill, and we do different activities out there as well, and we are able to use that for various ministry opportunities also. So this is what that looked like, the building as we were working on it, and then this is what it looks like now as we continue to, to worship there, and we're able to have a finished building and meet there as a church. So this next picture is very exciting. Everything that's in the green is what we actually own right now, and then what is in the red is a piece of property that we are looking to purchase. This piece of property had been there for years and years, and just last year, when we were in the midst of the pandemic, my wife and I went out to visit some children from our church. And when we went out, we drove by and we saw this for sale sign. And I drove by pretty quickly, and I'm like, we're sure what, about what we saw, right? So we went around the block again. We stopped. We took pictures. We looked at it. We prayed. We sent out a, a prayer letter. And very quickly, the Lord provided all of the finances for this piece of property. And so we are very thankful for that. The paperwork has been very slow, but last month, before we left Argentina, I was able to sign the initial paperwork for the property, and now within the next 60 days, hopefully, we'll be able to be sole owners of the property and begin to use this as well. So this is where our driveway is right now. This is our parking lot, and our goal is to knock down this wall right here and make that a larger parking lot. Back in Argentina about 20 years ago, if you had a church of about 100 people, you would have 10, 15 cars in your church. Nowadays, we have a church of about 25 to 30 people, and we have already 15 to 20 cars in our church. And so things have changed quickly in Argentina. So actually, we already maxed out that whole back parking lot, and so we are so thankful for the Lord's timing in this property and that we are able to purchase it. So please continue to pray about this and the paperwork, and that we can get all that done very quickly. In order to accomplish a lot of these projects that we've had in Argentina, we've had many uh, um, building teams come down to help us. Starkey Road Baptist Church in Florida came down in 2015 to help with the uh, house at the corner. And then in 2016, our sending church at Emmanuel Baptist Church in Toledo, Ohio, came down. And then we like to think they liked us so much, they returned in 2017 with another team, and we were also able to get a lot of other things done there in the building. And then two months after they came, South Baptist Church in Flint, Michigan came down with another team. And finally, we had two teams, one from Michigan and one from Florida, come to help us with 
the final building project that we have there in 2018. And so that's a little bit about our building update. If you would look with me, with me now, let's look at Ephesians chapter 6. And as we look to Ephesians chapter 6, then I want to get into really the ministry of what we have been doing as we minister to the people there in Argentina. When we arrive at Ephesians chapter 6, he's going to talk to us, Paul is, about prayer in verse 18. And it is said many times that prayer is very important. And I would say, yes, prayer is absolutely very important. But prayer is not only important, but prayer is essential to the ministry in Argentina, essential to the success of the ministry in Argentina. And when we speak of success in Argentina, we are not talking about having the biggest church, being the greatest missionaries to ever live. We are not talking about having the most extravagant program to have ever had been done in Argentina. We are talking about sharing the gospel. Men and women coming to know Christ as their Savior. Of those who come to know Christ, that they may be growing spiritually and that the Lord would choose some out of them that we may prepare for the future leaders of Argentina to share the gospel in other parts of Buenos Aires, in other parts of Argentina, and in other parts of the world. So when we come to Ephesians chapter 6, we come to a very familiar passage. In verse 10, Paul has begun, and he is talking about being strong in the Lord. And the way to be strong in the Lord is that you put on the armor of God. And as he goes through this passage and talks about the armor of God, before he ends, in verses 18 to 20, he says, and we must be praying, praying for all the saints, and then praying for myself that I may proclaim the gospel boldly. So let's read. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 says this, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. When we look at this passage, the first thing we see is that we are to pray for all the saints. And Paul gives us several characteristics about how to pray. And each one of them has the word all. And the first thing that he says there in verse 18 is praying at all times in the Spirit. So we ask ourselves, when are we to pray? And the answer is always, always. So we're to pray in the morning, we're to pray in the evening, we're to pray in the afternoon, we're to pray at lunch, we're to pray at home, we're to pray at work, we're to pray as we commute to and from work. We're to separate times where we are before the Lord in prayer for a specific time. We are to pray every opportunity that we have. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 1.3, I pray for you day and night. When the church of Jerusalem began to gather together in the beginning chapters of Acts, it says that they were continually in prayer. So God expects the church to be in prayer. God wants us to pray always. And it says here to pray always in the Spirit, by the power of the Spirit, guided by the Spirit, helped by the Spirit. 
that as we pray, the Spirit may intercede um, for us in ways that we do not understand how we are praying, but He is interceding so that we pray according to the will of God. And so this is the way that we are to pray. And it says in the passage that we are to pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. So how are we to pray? With prayer and supplication. We can say it this way. We are to pray generally, and we are to pray specifically. And so as I think of Argentina and how you can pray for us generally, you can pray for the country this way. Last year, beginning in March, with COVID, we were shut down, restricted, quarantined in our home, not allowed to even leave the front door of your house for eight months. And so you were allowed maybe to go to the closest supermarket around, but even going to the supermarket took hours because you had to wait outside for your turn. So we actually ordered our groceries online, but we didn't go anywhere for eight months. I didn't see my parents who lived 20 minutes away. I didn't see my, my in-laws who lived 40 minutes away. Our kids didn't see their grandkids for eight months. Our economy, which was already terrible, hanging by a rope, now hanging by a thread. Imagine eight months of not being able to go to work. They opened up the country a little bit, and schools actually remained closed. And then this year, they began to do strict quarantines again. Just a couple of weeks ago, for 10 days, you couldn't leave your home. And they say only essential workers can leave. And the question of the Argentine people are, is feeding my child essential? <laughs> so I think I should be working. And so people are begging to go back to school. People are begging to go back to work. And it's been a rough year and a half. So as you pray for the country, pray for the economy, pray for children in school, pray for children who dropped out of school, pray for people's finances, and you can pray generally, generally for the church. But then we need you to pray specifically. And that is praying and asking and pleading God that he would save the unbelievers, that they would come to Christ, and that he would grow the weary, that they would grow in their walk with Christ and their relationship with Christ and their maturity in the word of God. And that you would pray for the future leaders of Argentina, those that have come to know Christ, that they would one day serve and that we may prepare them over the years to come. So it says there that we are to pray with prayer and supplication, and then it says keep alert with all perseverance. We are to pray with perseverance. We are to be watchful. We are to be alert. And we are not to pray just for a moment or a day or a season. You know, we may come here today and you say, I'm going to pray for Argentina, and you pray for a week nonstop. And then in the next month you pray less, and then in the next year you're like, what was their name again? We need you to pray always, not for a day or a season, but every day and every season and every moment and every week. We need your prayers. We need your prayers. And so finally, Paul says here, whom we should pray for, and that is for all the saints. So obviously that includes Kent City Baptist Church. That includes the area of Kent City. That includes each of you praying for one another. But as I'm here sharing about Argentina, that means you praying for Argentina. And you may say, well, we don't know the Argentine people. We don't know their culture. We don't know their struggles. We don't know what they're going through. I can't even pronounce their names. We need you to be praying. About 20 years ago, when I traveled with my parents, I remember we arrived at one uh, specific church, and, and my dad and I were talking to one of the, the men there in the church, and he began to ask us some questions, and he asked us, how's Diablo doing? 
I've been praying for Diablo, and I want to know how he's doing. Now, I don't know how good you are with your Spanish or what you remember from when you went to school, but Diablo means devil. He'd been praying for the devil. And so my dad and I are trying to figure out, who's the devil in our church that needs so much prayer? And so we began to think, and then we're like, oh, he's praying for Diego. Diego's the one that needed all this prayer. And so we chuckled a little bit about it, and we always remember that. And so, but the reality is that even though he got the name wrong, and I hope you get the names right, okay? But even if you get the name wrong, you know who you're praying for. God knows who you're praying for. And God is working through those prayers. And so we need you to be praying. So as I, as I appeal to you to be praying for Argentina, the question that I need to answer is, how can you better pray for us in Argentina? Because if I don't answer that, you're like, well, we need to pray, but we don't know how to pray. And so I want to ask you to pray in three ways. First of all, by taking our prayer card. Take this prayer card and put it somewhere where you will see my ugly face every day and be reminded that my wife needs prayer and my children need prayer. So take that. Put it in your Bible. Put it in a book that you're reading. Put it on your fridge. Put it at work. Put it in your car. Take five. Put them everywhere so that you'll be reminded to pray for us. Please pray for us. Sign up for our prayer letter. And so that every time I write, you are knowing exactly what's going on and you can pray for us specifically. And finally, and most importantly this morning, know our ministry. And that's what we're here for today, to share with you the ministry of Argentina. So I want to share with you this. This is very exciting because this happened, everything that I'm about to share, especially this picture here, happened about a month or two after we were here last in 2017. So in 2017, we inaugurated the church there in El Talar, and all those churches I showed you in that map, all of them came to the inauguration, and it was really neat to see what the church may look like one day as the Lord continues to add people unto himself. And so the very next day, we began our services there in the church, and this is what our services looked like as, as we began every single week. And this was the norm until last year in March when COVID hit, and I shared with you we weren't allowed to leave our home, so we actually had church online for many months, way longer than we would have ever thought or imagined or wanted to as well. And so after the eight months in October, November, things began to open up a little bit, and we were able to go back to church. We don't have an issue of whether we wear a mask or not. Down there, if you leave your home, you have to wear a mask. And so there we are in church with our mask, with our social distancing, and all we were was extremely thankful that we could actually meet as a church. And so there we are. These were our services early on as we spread out there in the church. And as we thought, man, we can't wait to just get back to the real normal. Then COVID cases began to rise. And then not only were we not allowed to meet inside, but we began to meet outside. And so there we were every week meeting outside. And this is what the services looked like. And that's just been very interesting because even over the last few weeks, they've had a strict quarantine again, one that lasted 10 days, and then this past week and just a two-day where you couldn't go out. So over the last few weeks, we have met on a Friday night, on a Monday night, and again on a Monday night. Those have been our services because we're looking for ways where we can still meet as a church and we do not want to go back online. And so pray for us as we are always having to be creative about how to get together at church. And actually, this past Friday, the president gave a new announcement, and we are now, again, allowed to go out on the weekend. So today, they're actually meeting just, as you can see in this picture right now. That's where they are right now, worshiping, as we are here in the auditorium. 
But you know what? Even through this, the Lord has used this for the people, instead of complaining, to use it as ministry. So we have a new ministry, and, it, and Santiago is the one who's in charge of this. Every person who comes to our church, we are to, and these are guidelines by the government, we are to take their temperature, we are to take their name down, their address down, their phone number down, their document number down, then spray their hands with sanitizer, and then, as a military person, walk them to their seat. Isn't it wonderful to be in church in Argentina? <laughs> but here we have Santiago, who at the time was a new believer and wasn't doing a ministry yet, and now this is his ministry. And it's great, and he loves it. And everybody loves to see his face as the first face of the church and be able to share with him as he goes, as they go into the church. And then in the back, as we have to set up chairs and take them down every week, and so many people ministering. And it's given us so many opportunities as a church to actually think of all the blessings the Lord has given us and how we can build the church up during this time. So as we began the church back in 2017, one of the main things was fellowship fellowship. When we began, everybody was new, and so church would end, and everybody would kind of awkwardly stand up, wait for somebody to come talk to them, but since everybody was new, nobody talked to anybody, and everybody awkwardly left the church, and so we thought we need to do something for, so people can get to know each other, so we began to do these kind of breakfast things that we, before the service, and so we would have pastries that would be like donuts here in the United States, and so we'd get together and talk to each other, and very quickly, we are a Latin culture. It didn't take long for people to get to know each other. Now people stay about an hour after the service talking. And so it's worked very, very well. Along with that, and here you can see some of the people just sharing with each other and edifying one another. We also started to do some, some lunches, about two lunches a year after the service. So this gave us opportunity to invite unbelievers to the service because then they wanted to come to the lunch. And then it also gave us an opportunity to just have fellowship with the different brothers and sisters uh, there in the church. Another thing that we really wanted to begin as soon as we started the church was a children's ministry. And my wife, Anai, is the one who is in charge of this entire ministry. And we're very thankful for her and for these other three women who help teach. The two on the right, they actually, or on the left, sorry, they actually teach in public school, so they're great with kids. They're strong in the faith, and so they are, they are amazing teachers. The, the young lady next to Anai, her parents own a Taekwondo gym, and she actually teaches all the children Taekwondo, and so she does great with kids and also a very strong believer. So to be honest, if I were to pick the best four people in Argentina to teach our children, you're looking at them right there. We're so blessed that the Lord has given us great teachers for the ministry for the children there in Argentina. So our children, they used to, and eventually one day again, will meet in that house in the corner that I showed you. That's where they were meeting as the church began for the first few years. Then with COVID, we needed to get in a bigger space, and so we went into the second story there where the building is. And then eventually, like the adults, they came outside to join us. There they are in the driveway of the church. And actually, we moved them to one other location outside. And so the kids come every week, and it's kind of like a scavenger hunt. They're like, where are the, where are the chairs going to be this week? And so they're looking around and trying to figure it out. And so it's kind of a joke that goes on with the kids. But we're so thankful, so thankful that they take it as a joke, and they're there to learn, and they're also in their young age growing in Christ there in Argentina. My wife and I are also involved with the young marriage ministry. We do this along with my dad and with all the young marriage of all the, the churches we're connected with, and so that's a huge blessing as well. And then camp ministry, we don't head up the camp. We're not super involved, but we go out there during camp, and we help with 
discipleship uh, group. So there's my wife with some of the young ladies there in, at the camp. And then I'm there as well as we disciple some of these men throughout the week as we do devotionals every single morning there at camp. And then one of my favorite ministries is just our discipleship ministry. I, along with uh, Juan Marcos, who's right behind me, he helps me and lead this discipleship and, and train our young, our, our young men uh, as they grow in the faith. And maybe even eventually one day the Lord may call them into ministry. And so there we were meeting with, with some men. I also met with some other men who at the time were new believers and just teaching them the basics in the faith in Christ. And so then we all began to meet together. And with COVID, we began to meet on Zoom, and we still meet on Zoom. And that's actually an advantage, because while I am here in the United States, every Wednesday night at 8 p.m., we meet together. And so we study the Word together, we're reading a book together, and we are praying with one another. And the advantage of a small church is we pray for each person every week as we come together. And so I'm thankful for these men and how they are growing in Christ, growing in the Lord. Back in 2018 was our first baptismal service. On the left is Nilda, a wonderful lady. She is the kind of lady that anything and whatever the pastor does is amazing. So I've told her, you need to stick around as long as you can because I need you around. And so I am so thankful for her and just um, what an amazing lady she is and how she ministers to us every week there in church. On the right is Sergio. When Sergio was baptized, he actually invited his entire family and many, many friends for the baptismal service. You need to understand that in Argentina, baptisms are a huge deal because it's a Catholic country. And so babies are always being baptized, and people drop everything to go to a baptismal service. However, when they come to our church and see a 50-year-old baptized, they're like, what is going on? And so it's great because I can share with them what baptism is and share with them the gospel. And it's something which they have never heard. And so that was really neat when his family came. As you think of Sadek, he'll pray for his family. His mother, Angela, does not know Christ. His wife, Gabriela, does not know Christ. His, his little daughter, Angela and Bianca, do not know Christ either. And on top of that, his daughter that you can see there in a wheelchair, Bianca, she was born without a major part of her brain. And so she's, she's not even usually in a wheelchair. She doesn't even go outside her house anymore. She's always in the house with oxygen, laying on a bed, with a nurse in their home 24-7. So think of Sergio, a new believer, born, born again just about two years ago, three years ago. His family does not know Christ. His family wants nothing to do with Christ. They've heard the gospel many times, and they're completely opposed to the gospel. And then his daughter, who they're continually doing tests with, taking her to the hospital all the time. And actually, his daughter and mother both had COVID, and both came through it, and so pray for him, and pray for his family that they would come to know Christ as their Savior. Both Lucas and Santiago were baptized in 2019. Lucas was saved the very first Sunday he came to our church. Santiago was saved about a month after he arrived to our, in our church, and I'll share a little bit more about them in just a moment. So let me share some of the families that we've had in our church and that we have and how they're ministering and what they're doing with some of the names. And I was encouraged in the first service, many people were writing names down, so that's great. You can go ahead and do that, or you can memorize them. I know you guys are probably great memorizers, so you can do that as well. This is Juan Marcos and Cynthia, and Juan Marcos and I actually know each other from before we knew that we knew each other, when we were babies. Our parents used to minister together, and actually my father was going to hand over the Church of Don Torcuato to his father back in the late 80s, 
And just before he did that, his father went to Colombia to visit his family, and on the way back, he was in a taxi, was in an accident, and passed away. And so, as sad as that was, and Juan Marcos actually grew up without a father all his life, I'm so thankful to see how the Lord has worked in both of our lives. And here we are, 30 years later, working together in a new church. And how awesome it is to see God's plan unfolding and how he has brought this family to our church. And so we're so thankful for them and the ministry they do. He's the deacon in our church, and he's in charge while I'm gone, and he's doing a fantastic job. This is Christian Evangelina. They're new believers there in our church, and, and we're so thankful for them as well and the ministries that they are a part of and continue to do there in Argentina. Then there's Mauro and Mariana and Andres and Ludmila with their kids, Aime and Enoch. And Mariana and Andres are actually brother and sister. And when our church first started, they were looking for a church that preached sound doctrine. And both Andres and his wife and Mauro and his wife showed up at our church on the same day without having talked to each other. So I told them that that was God's sovereign will. This was the church for them. And so ever since then, they've been in our church, and they've been a great blessing to our church. Mauro is involved with all the sound system, PowerPoint, and all those things in our church. And Andres is one of the ushers and very involved in our soccer ministry there in Argentina. And their wives have shared about how they are involved in some of the areas there in the church as well. Then there's Arminda and Matias, who are mother and son. And we're very thankful for them as well. They're very involved. They're growing in the Lord. Matias is our head usher, and he's in charge of all the greeting and getting everything ready every Sunday for the service. Then there's Roberto and Ana. They came from a Pentecostal church, and, and actually a Pentecostal church that didn't preach sound doctrine, didn't preach the gospel, and they have come to know Christ as their Savior. And we pray for them. Pray for their kids who do not know Christ. Pray for their grandkids who do not know Christ. And they've come to our church many times, but they have not placed their faith in Christ. So as you think of them, pray for their entire family. Then there's Nilda, who I already shared with you, who lives three blocks from our church, but I put her picture up again because she brought Marta and Lucas to our church, who are neighbors three houses down from her. As you think of Marta and Lucas, pray for them as well. Marta's husband has been an alcoholic for years. He left the family many, many years ago. And also a year before they came to our church, Lucas, his older brother, died in a car accident. So they've been through a lot. Even as they come to our church, Lucas was saved the first day he came. Marta was saved shortly after they started coming. And, but even as they've been in our church, their family would not even talk to them, would not see them, his father and then his sister and brother-in-law. And over the last year, they've been able to mend those relationships, and they've actually had good opportunities to share the gospel with them. So pray for them as new believers. Pray for their family as well there in Argentina. Then there's Santiago, who I shared with you before, who, who's the first greeter at the church. Santiago is always at church early. If I get there 20 minutes early, he's in his car waiting. 30 minutes, 40 minutes, no matter when I get there. I'm thinking I'm going to sneak over to church the night before to see if he's sleeping in his car because he is there always. And we are so thankful for Santiago, and we're so thankful for his ministry, a new believer, and just growing amazingly in the Lord. Then there's Sergio, who I've shared with you before, also growing, also always ministering, and always a smile on his face, and it's great to see the Lord working in his life. Then there's Marcos and Julieta, who are uh, father and daughter, and Alexis and Shanina with their kids Bastian and Miqueas. And Alexis and Marcos are brothers, and I'm just thankful for them. Marcos started coming to our church off and on. He brought his daughter a few times in a year and a half. She wanted nothing to do with Christ. 
But then eventually he began to take her to the youth group at my dad's church. And through that she went to the youth conference, and then there she came to know Christ as her Savior. Ever since then, her and her dad have been on fire for Christ. They go to every service. They're reading their Bible. They're ministering. It's great to see how the Lord is working in their lives. What a blessing. After about a year and a half or two years of them coming, Alexis and his wife began to come as well. So as you think of our church, as you think of the ministry in Argentina, this is what I want you to remember. These faces, these people, this is the ministry in Argentina. This is what it's about. Ministering to these families the Lord has given us there in Argentina. So I don't have time to go back into the passage and to exposit it, but I want to share with you that when we look at Ephesians chapter 6, Paul not only asked for prayer for the saints, but Paul also asked for prayer for himself. And what is his prayer? That he may open his mouth to proclaim the gospel of Christ boldly. And so that's what he wants to do. And he needs prayer that he may proclaim boldly. And so as we are in Argentina, we need your prayer that we may proclaim the gospel of Christ boldly. So I want to share some of the ways in which we have done that. First of all, through personal evangelism, this is Catalina. This is one of Sofia's good friends there in the neighborhood. She lives about three houses down from us. And Sofia has shared the gospel with her dozens of times. I even remember one time that she shared the gospel with her, and Catalina believed, and she stood up and ran home, and through the street she was yelling, I'm a Christian! I'm a Christian. And then she ran into her house and saw her parents, and she's like, I'm a Christian. And her parents said, no, you're not. You are not a Christian. You will not believe that. I had the opportunity to share the gospel with her father for about a, an hour and a half. He understood it, but he has not come to know Christ yet. Her mother, a few months ago, uh, called Anai up and said, can you come over? I need to talk to you. And as, as Anai went over there, they talked for a while, and she said, oh, we love that our daughters are our friends and that they get along and that they do so well together and they're playing. But we want to ask you that your daughter not force your religion on us. And so Anai was actually able to flip the conversation around and tell her what our religion was, right, which is the gospel of Christ. And she was able to share the gospel with her mom. And so as you pray for our neighbors, pray for them. Pray that they may come to know Christ as their Savior. And they're not saved yet, but we know that God can do a great work in their life. And also other neighbors that we have the opportunity to minister to. And how neat it would be to see our community, one family at a time, come to know Christ as their Savior. So then we're also able to do events. In Argentina, if we invite somebody to church, most likely they're not going to come. But if we invite them to an event at church, most likely they will come. And so we've done a Christmas musical every year. The first time was in the backyard of someone's home in the area. The second time was actually where our foyer is now at the church. This was outside. And then eventually as the building began to get built, we were able to go inside. And so here we are with our Christmas musical inside and there we are at another Christmas musical, and you can see how the church is much, there, there's, there's, there's many more people there, and so we are able to share the gospel with them as well. And then even during the pandemic last year, that short time where we were inside was right in December, and we were able to do that Christmas musical again and be able to share the gospel, and we actually had about 12 visitors even during the pandemic to come over and to hear the gospel many for the first time. One of my favorite evangelistic ministries is this one, and not just because it means that we get a pound of beef per person when we come together. 
And so we have some men who come, they start up the fire, they do the charcoal grill, they cook up all the meat, and then they cut that up, they serve it. We have fellowship with many men that we are able to have this men's ministry with, and then we share the gospel with them. And we're able to share about Christ with each and every one of them. And then my favorite um, evangelistic ministries are soccer ministry. Like I said, soccer is very easy to do a ministry with down in Argentina. We have the court, we painted the lines, we put the, the goals in, we have the soccer ball, and you just invite people, and then they invite others, and they invite others, and we have had like 80 different men come out for soccer over about a year and a half. And so what we do is every Tuesday evening from 9 p.m. to 11 p.m., we play soccer. At 10 p.m., we sit them down and we share the gospel with them. And so they know that if they come to play soccer for free, that they are going to hear the gospel every single week. And so this is what we have done. Now, we haven't been able to do this ministry over the last year, so pray with us that things would open up so that we could continue to do this ministry. And it's really neat that after we share the gospel with them, as we come back to play, even some guys are like, you know what, I'm not going to keep playing, but I have some questions for you. And it gives us more opportunity to share the gospel. And through this, we've had some professions of faith. We have some that have come to church. But in the midst of really gaining traction with this ministry, COVID hit. And so we've lost contact with a lot of these young men. And so pray that we can continue to have this ministry real soon in our church in Argentina. And so then finally, I want to share this very quickly with you. As we think of evangelism, it starts with the families in our church. Sedekiel's mother and daughter and wife do not know Christ. Marcos' wife and... Julieta's sister do not know Christ. Matias' father, sister, brother-in-law, nephews, and nieces do not know Christ. Lucas's father, sister, brother, nephews, and nieces do not know Christ. Mariana and Andres' parents do not know Christ. Mauro's family does not know Christ. Santiago's father, sister, brother-in-law, nephews, and nieces do not know Christ. Roberto and Ana's kids and grandkids do not know Christ. So when you pray about evangelism, Pray for the people in our church. All or most of these are first-generation Christians. Most of them are new believers. And most of them are trying to reach their family for Christ. And how amazing it would be and how it would grow their faith to see that our church would double in size just because of the conversions of the family members of those who come to our church. And so pray for them and pray for their families and pray that salvation would start in their homes. And then it would expand in all the area of El Talar and Buenos Aires in Argentina. So finally, I want to ask you to do two things. First of all, pray for us. Please continue to be steadfast in prayer for our lives, for our family, for our ministry, for the gospel to move forward in Argentina. And second of all, continue to give to our ministry. Because of your giving, we can be in Argentina. We don't have to raise more support. We don't have to be thinking if we have the necessary finances to live in Argentina. We can just concentrate on one thing, and that is doing the ministry in El Talar, Buenos Aires, Argentina.